Hey, special ed teacher. Have you ever wondered how to collaborate with your school counselor? Well, I am super excited about today's guest. I haven't had a guest in so long, and this episode is a good one with so many takeaways and strategies. So I would love to introduce Rachel Davis. Rachel is the school counselor and curriculum designer behind Bright Futures Counseling. With nearly a decade of experience, a highly rated school counseling podcast, and an engaged online community, Rachel is passionate about helping school counselors increase their impact and advocate for their role. She resides in Costa Rica, and when she's not working in her business, you can find her at the beach playing with her family. You're all going to love it. But before we get into it, I'd like to share that I've created a great free resource for you called the IEP Meeting Checklist Before the Meeting. This will help you get organized with all that paperwork and will help guide you with what you need to do weeks before that IEP. So grab that freebie right now. The link will be in the show notes. All right. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. I'd love to introduce you to the amazing Rachel Davis. Hey, special ed teachers. Welcome to Stepping into Special Education. Are you confused with writing IEPs? Need a system to track data? Are you up late Googling strategies for behavior management? Do you wake up with huge goals only to feel that you're not doing enough? Hey, I'm Michelle. I too teach special ed in a low socioeconomic community. I too wanted more connection with my special needs families. I wanted help with IEP meetings and needed more training with behaviors. And I kept asking myself, am I even doing a good job? Until I finally found the right strategies and support. In this podcast, you will find guidance with IEPs, behavior strategies, and SPED support so that you will know you've made an impact. So grab your iced coffee, clipboard, and your favorite pen. It is time to get things started. All right. Hey, special ed teachers. I just want to go ahead and welcome the amazing Rachel Davis here, who is a school counselor. And if she could go ahead and Rachel, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I um, have a podcast of my own, but I always get like a little nervous, but excited when I'm kind of on the other side of the microphone. So thank you for having me today. Yes, of course. I'm so excited to have you on here because I know special ed teachers would love to utilize, you know, their school counselors at their schools and don't really know, right, what school counselors can do. I've been in the classroom for 14 years and honestly did not work with school counselors up until like the last three to four years. And once I did, you guys are a plethora of information and resource. So definitely appreciate all that you do. But actually, if you could just start there, Rachel, if you don't mind, can you let us know what school counselors can provide or what you do in the school system? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share this because like you said, unfortunately, not all schools have a school counselor. Maybe they have one part-time. Maybe your listeners have a counselor, but they've never even worked with them. Oftentimes we're like, 
that random lady with the office and no one really knows what they do, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm always trying to get my audience, school counselors, to advocate for their role and for our position and to really share how we can support staff and students. So school counselors um, can serve in three different ways. So we have a three-tiered approach. So tier one of our interventions is through our class counseling lessons. So ideally, your counselor is going in your classrooms like um, your gen ed classrooms or your special ed classrooms once a month to do a social emotional learning lesson or a character education lesson. So maybe something on empathy or bullying prevention or responsibility. We usually have like a curriculum that we would follow or we could do like an as needed lesson as well. So if you're thinking like, oh gosh, my class is really struggling with tattling versus reporting right now, ask your counselor. Maybe that's something that could come in and do like a supplemental lesson for you guys. Um, They're usually super eager to do it. We just know that you're busy as teachers and you don't always have time for, you know, people to pop in and do different lessons. But that is one way that we serve. And that's our tier one. That's our preventative approach, right? So that's proactive and preventative serving all students. Then for our tier two, we have our small groups. So this is referral-based. So we'll get referrals from parents, from teachers, maybe even from students themselves, if they're, you know, like upper elementary, middle, high school, maybe they're like, I want to come see the counselor. I'm struggling with this. And we'll look at our referrals. Yeah. And then we'll make small groups. Um, So these would be things on like anger management. I do a lot of social skills, small groups. I've done um, like relational aggression, like girls, bullying prevention, conflict resolution, basically anything you can think of. We'll do a small group for that. And they usually meet for about six to eight weeks once a week for about a half hour. Um, Sometimes during lunch, you might hear them referred to as like a lunch bunch. Um, Mm. That's the easy time to schedule. So we're not having to take out of like academic time. But uh, yeah, usually once a week for those. And then the third tier, that's the biggest form of support that we offer. And that's at individual one-on-one level. So those are those students that we see individually, again, usually for about six to eight weeks, 30 minutes a week. And that's either there's no one else sharing a similar need. So maybe the student's struggling with grief or something. And Mm -hmm. I would like to do a grief group, but if we only have one student struggling, maybe we'll see them one-on-one with that. Or if they just have a higher need. So maybe it's anger management and we do have an anger management group, but this student needs a little more support. Maybe the group, you know, still wasn't enough support for them. Then we'll see them at the individual level. So that's basically the three levels that school counselors can support students. Awesome. Thank you for that. Because I know even myself, I'm learning through you right now. And um, one thing that you said was that I had no idea students can actually come and refer themselves. Yeah, yeah. So I used to have, um, I mean, at elementary level, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because sometimes everything's like the biggest deal. And sometimes kids just want to get out of class. You never know. But I like to have like a referral mailbox um, and you can see you know, sometimes it just warrants a check-in, right? Like they just need a little check-in, like one day they're off. But sometimes it might be where you want to ask parents or teachers like, hey, the student self-referred, do we think, you know, they would benefit from some continued counseling? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Rachel. You're welcome. Um, And I do want to mention, sorry, um, that the the goal of the school counselor is solution-focused, short-term solution-focused counseling. And we're trying to get the students back into the classroom, right? So we differ from like an outside therapist in this way. So if a student needs some really intense counseling, if they've experienced a lot of trauma or something, we may recommend referring to an outside specialist, whereas our goal is to support them so they can thrive in the school setting. That's great. Like you're one tier first, right? Mm -hmm. To get to you. And then if 
yes, if they need more intense. Yeah. And I've seen that a lot of my students, myself, um, you know, coming from traumatic situations and everything Mm -hmm. do need that prolong. But I know from my standpoint, I know having to go see the school counselor is usually the first tier, right? That I know mm-hmm. special ed teachers and admin, we recommend, but yeah, that's great to just know that, you know, it doesn't just stop with you, right? The school counselor, right, there's right. other referrals that you can refer us to. So that's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I think the main thing I really wanted to talk to you also about Rachel is the importance of social skills and how important important it is in elementary school. So mm-hmm. what do you feel about that? Like how important do you feel is social skills for the students to learn in elementary school? Yes. I mean, it's essential, right? So social skills are just these essential life skills that all students need. Um, and in elementary schools, the, the earlier we can teach them, the better, right? Like I'm trying to teach my toddler son social skills. Now I do want to mention that there are kind of two different definitions of social skills. So Some people, almost every counseling referral will say social skills and people mean like friendship, conflict resolution, Mm -hmm. problem solving, like more generic. All of those are technically social skills. But then, and this, I'm thinking of our special education students in particular, I've done some groups with social skills in the more um, direct, like how to introduce yourself to someone, starting a conversation, not interrupting, taking turns, very explicit skills that oftentimes we assume are inherent or students just already know these things, but we have to remember that these things need to be taught and often reinforced. And unfortunately, not everyone's parents are teaching these things outside of school. So you may expect, oh, I've expected the kids to know this. They're 10 years old. Why don't they know how to do this? But a lot of times they don't because they haven't been explicitly taught that social skill. So there's kind of those more in-depth, like I said, introducing yourself, asking someone to play, you know, tattling versus reporting, those very specific skills um, we need to teach as well. Yeah, Rachel, you need to teach, you need to help me um, teach my little one about tattling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. And I think, I think also just side note, just also just being a mom, right? And learning those basic skills that that your own children and young students, you know, need to learn is so imperative and so important. And I, I don't know how you feel, Rachel, but I kind of feel that a lot of students, especially after pandemic, didn't have the proper practice mm-hmm. in having that, you know, just practicing those skills. I don't know. What do you feel about that? Yes, unfortunately. I mean, definitely, because you can learn these things. Like you can do a worksheet on like how to introduce yourself to someone, how to start a conversation. But this is why I love counseling small groups is because not only are you teaching the content, teaching the skill, they're getting to practice the skill just by being in the group, right? Like essentially every group is a social skills group. Even if it's an anger management group, we're still practicing those like fundamental social skills just by being part of the group setting. So um, unfortunately, after the pandemic, I think everyone was kind of two years behind, right? We kind of got on a pause. So things we could expect, yeah, things we could expect a second grader to know now they're at the kindergarten level and then, you know, even behind that. So thankfully, things have been kind of back to normal for a while now so we can catch everyone up back to speed. But you have to remember some of these things that we're assuming students know, they may not know, and you may need to explicitly teach these social skills. That's so or ask your counselor. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, big time. And that is so interesting. You just said that, Rachel, that everybody was at a standstill two years. It's so crazy because I see the same thing. And mm-hmm. 
I actually did hear an admin um, as soon as we came back from pandemic say that he ha- this is a middle school admin. And he told my admin, you know, I've never seen eighth graders or seventh or eighth graders play tag before in middle school. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's so, so interesting. Oh, they're yeah, still so, playing like they're in elementary school. Agreed, agreed. So that's so interesting that you uh, have experienced the same thing as well. So yeah. So um, I also wanted to ask a couple touch points with some you you hit it pretty well with a lot of the things that special ed students need more practice with. But I know another one is also self-regulation, right? Yes. That a lot of, right, not just our students, all students that need help with that. What are some simple strategies that maybe, maybe the school counselor can come in and do or maybe just the teacher can do in their classroom to practice self-regulation skills? Yes, self-regulation is huge. I love the zones of regulation, if you're familiar with that or if you have that curriculum, um, because it just simplifies that emotional identification into colors. So it makes it even more simple, right? We're just picking four colors. But yes, so I think with self-regulation, there's two main components. First, the emotional identification. We want students to understand how they're feeling. So they need to look at their bodies and understand physically, okay, when I'm angry, my fists get clenched or my face feels hot or my stomach hurts. They need to become aware, self-aware of what they're doing so they can recognize their emotions. Once they name the emotion, the second part is identifying a coping skill. So you can have um, like a coping skills toolbox in your room or like a little calm down corner or a choice board or any kind of visuals. Um, Yes, things in your room that they can go to and identify a coping skill. And different kids are going to resonate with different skills. So some kids may love a calm down bottle. Some kids may like music. Some kids may need a sip of water, take a walk. Somebody may want to talk with an adult. Someone may not want to talk to anybody. So I love... And I always tell counselors and teachers, you need to teach these skills out of the heat of the moment, right? When everyone's escalated, Mm. this is not the time to introduce a coping Mm. strategy. We want to teach these when they're, you know, regulated. So then when they are escalated, they can remember, you know, practice your deep breathing skill and they know what you're talking about. So, um, you know, you can have your counselor come in and do a lesson on these to introduce different coping skills. And just it make it fun. You know, the kids can design their own toolbox. Like here are a bunch of different coping skills. Pick which ones work best for you. And then the class can compare, you know, oh, we both like this skill. Oh, we don't like this skill. Kind of make it, you know, a choice. And then maybe collectively as a group, your class can decide what tools they need in the classroom to help them calm down. So if you notice that a bunch of kids really resonate with, you know, music, maybe you can have some headphones in a playlist set up in a corner of your classroom or something like that. So yeah, I think it's those two main components, the identifying, um, so doing a, I like to call them a feelings check. So you could do like a morning time. If you're already doing a morning circle, just kind of introduce this where kids say how they're feeling and why. So you can model, you know, very simply, oh, today I'm feeling happy because I had my favorite food for breakfast. Um, And I always encourage the teachers to be honest in your modeling because I always default um, I'm like pretty positive, like Enneagram 7. I always default to like, I'm feeling great. But I, right. it's nice to assess and be honest. Sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm feeling sad because my parents were visiting for the weekend and they just left. Or, you know, model something like that. It gives the students permission to be, you know, honest and vulnerable 
And of course, make it developmentally appropriate. Maybe you can do just colors, maybe a scale of one to 10. I love to use a visual aid and I actually have a freebie I'll send you. So you can share with your, yeah, you can share with your listeners, but it's a feelings check poster. It just has um, a lot of different faces on it with the words. So the students can, you know, at a minimum, just point to the face that they're feeling like that day. Um, That way it doesn't matter if, you know, reading, writing levels, anything like that. We can just do an easy visual and then that way they can recognize how they're feeling and then identify an appropriate coping strategy. That's awesome because I know a lot of my my audience, you know, the special ed teachers love resources. So whatever, you know, you can give, especially with behavior is huge. So thank you so much for that. And what did you say earlier? Sorry, I have to take a moment. <laughs> I remember no, you said I was so, saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you said something that was really good. I was uh, talking about the escalation. I think you had like an aha moment there when I was saying not to teach the skill when they're oh, already kind of heightened. Yes, now you reminded me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, going back. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, going back to what you were saying earlier, you know, making sure that you're teaching the students not right in the heat of the moment, but when they're already regulated. And this is so important because honestly, you know, we've seen staff members and teachers even trying to calm a student down, but at the wrong moment, right? Can you talk a little bit more about that, Rachel? Like what can happen at the wrong moment and then the difference of how the student will react when when they are calm? Right. So yeah, I mean, it's basic brain science, right? Like they're in that, they're operating off their amygdala not their prefrontal frontal cortex. So they're in fight or flight. They're nothing's making sense. They are like, you know, blind with rage or whatever. They're really escalated. They're not going to be able to do any rational thinking until their body has calmed down. So the immediate thing to do is to try to help them feel safe and calm. And then once they're in a calm, safe space, then you can, you know, try to repair what's happened um, or introduce a coping skill there. So I would say the one coping skill you could do to help them calm down is deep breathing. Um, You could just model, you know, like just model deep breaths, have them do it with you. And then hopefully they can calm down a little bit. Then as their rational brain kind of picks back up, then they can decide, you know, what do I need to do to, I can fully calm down to return to the classroom. Right. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for that. That's great information, Rachel. Also kind of want to kind of change gears a little bit because I know we're coming down with the time, but I really would love to know, you know, how can us special ed teachers collaborate with school counselors? What are the best way? Yes. So I would just say to fill out those referrals and to ask because your counselors want to help, but they often, you know, just want, they don't want to step on your toes. They want to support your students, but they want to make sure that they're doing it in the right way. So yes, ask for an as-needed lesson. Say, hey, my class is really struggling with this. Do you have a lesson I can teach my students or can you come in and do like an as-needed lesson on this one topic? Maybe we're struggling with conflict resolution and the counselor can come in and teach I statements or something like that. Or if you as the teacher, maybe they just have the materials, just ask them. Like We likely already have a lesson on this and they can just give it to you so you don't have to stay up on nights and weekends planning this supplemental lesson, right? Right. Um, Yeah, that's the worst. Or the small groups and individuals make referrals. If you see a student who's exhibiting a certain behavior, you know, if they're having a hard time self-regulating and it's becoming disruptive in the classroom, if they um, are really anxious, anxiety is a big one, Mm -hmm. any kind of social skills, if you feel like they're having a hard time getting along with other students, friendship, um, I mean, 
anything, just ask the counselor because there likely are other students who have the same problem and then they can do a small group. Um, And I'm always encouraging the counselors to collect data. So they do like six to eight weeks and they're going to do a few self-assessments or behavior surveys to see how things have changed. And then as a result of that, maybe they recommend more counseling or maybe they, you know, have shown that they've improved as a result of the counseling and then they can go back into the classroom. So it's not like you're going to lose them once a week for the rest of the year. It's usually, like I said, solution focused, brief, six to eight weeks. We'll measure it, see what's working, what's not, and then hopefully give you some strategies. The other thing I was thinking is push-in support. Mm -hmm. So ask the counselor if they can come in and instead of pulling kids out of class to always come to a group, maybe they can just hop in your class, especially if you're having more than one student struggling with something. Maybe the counselor can just be there to help with those social-emotional learning moments right there in the moment in the classroom rather than always pulling them out. That's great to hear about like push in because mm-hmm. I, I would love to have school counselors just push into the classroom. And and I'm not sure if it's all districts, but I know the district that I'm in, they really highlighted having social emotional learning the very first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be, if you all are doing that in your districts, you know, that would be probably like a good time. What do you think, Rachel, to yeah, have think you guys great. push in during that yeah, time? Then the counselor could facilitate that circle, like I was saying, like a restorative circle or a feelings check circle. So ask the counselor, hey, can you come in and do like a feelings check with my class? You know, and then they can model how to do that, get the kids identifying their emotions, identifying potential coping strategies. Yeah, I think that's a great idea to use that time. Awesome. And I know I'm kind of going backwards, but I know you quickly mentioned anxiety, which Mm -hmm. is also a big a uh, topic that I know a lot of our students with special needs uh, have a hard time going through. Do you have any tips on anxiety and what teachers can do? Yep. So again, it's identifying coping skills, right? But I I like to always explain the brain science to the kiddos. Like I didn't know what an amygdala was till I was in college, but I know that I was like in my psychology class, but I kids get it and they like to know what's going on. So I like to explain it to them very basically. You know, you can find some videos or something online to, you know, explain it to young kiddos. But telling them what happens, their brain's literally being like hijacked when they're in this anxious state and their body's going to feel a certain way and just normalizing that and having the kids share, like, how do you feel when you get anxious? Oh, your palms get sweaty. Oh, you, you know, are short on breath. And normalizing that and letting them share with others how they're feeling and then sharing how they can come down from that moment by using coping skills. So I think that's using the coping skills is the reactive way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's already happened and we're trying to calm down. But also look at the preventative way. So try to figure out what's causing this child to feel anxious. Where are there triggers that we can eliminate? So, you know, working with a counselor or just talking with a student, talking with parents and trying to figure out when are they becoming anxious and how can we try to prevent that? Because that's the ideal scenario, right? Is that we don't right. even have to use our coping skill because we prevented the anxiety-inducing situation from happening. And it could be something small, like maybe just being rushed out the door in the morning is making Mm -hmm. them super anxious. So getting up five minutes earlier or changing one little thing about Mm. their daily routine could make a big difference. And I love how you talk about preventative, which definitely can help, you know, from it even happening. But when it's actually happening in the moment, Rachel, what do you suggest when the student is either, you know, maybe could be crying or... Mm -hmm. um, like, how, you know, breathing heavily. And what do you right. suggest at the moment type of strategies? 
Yeah. At the moment, I love deep breathing techniques. So for little guys, you can do belly breaths. So watching their belly go in and out. You can even put like a little stuffed animal on some or something on top of their belly. If they're lying on their backs, they can watch it move up and down. Deep breathing, like smelling a flower, blowing out a candle. That's kind of a good analogy for the little guys. Because uh, mm-hmm. sometimes if you just say, take a deep breath, they're like, don't know what that means. Right. Um, and also grounding techniques are good for anxiety. So asking, there's like ABC grounding. So look around the room, find something that starts with A, find something that starts with B, find something that starts with C. Oh, I've or, never heard um, of that. That's yeah, ABC grounding, or there's rainbow grounding, which you can do with colors. So find something red, find something orange, find something yellow. And then just different grounding techniques like that to bring them back into their body to be mindful. Another preventative one I was thinking is you as a class could do a guided meditation and some mindfulness practice. So in the morning, you could like, um, I have some I can send to you as well to share with your listeners, but there's some guided meditations you could read for the whole class. It's just a good way to start the day, honestly. It kind of gets everyone calm and like ready to learn. But that would be like a visual visualization strategy. So if they are, you know, having an anxiety attack or feeling super anxious, you could have them visualize um, a place that makes them feel calm. So whether that's like at a house of someone they trust, or maybe it's like at the beach or in nature. Yeah, so visualization, grounding, and deep breathing would be my anxiety strategies to recommend. Awesome. This is so good information. Rachel, (laughs) thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, Um, But just to wrap it up, is there anything else that you want to add or share with our listeners or special ed teachers? Um, Yeah, I was thinking about how we could integrate social emotional learning into your existing lessons. So I was thinking about this and I was thinking empathy is huge. So if you're in any way using books or literature with your students, you know, and you're like checking for comprehension, throw in questions that are like, how do you think the student feel or the character? How do you think the character feels? Any questions that you can do like that, those empathy questions are great. Um, And then I was also thinking about as students, special ed students particularly, may feel frustrated when learning something new, if it's difficult for them, if it's more difficult for them than it is for other students, they may get discouraged. So I love doing growth mindset, positive Mm -hmm. affirmations, any self-esteem work that you can kind of weave into your lessons to help them, you know, um, be more resilient and to continue to have a growth mindset. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Rachel, thank (laughs) you so much. This was such a pleasure having you on the show. So, so helpful for not myself, for sure, as my own, for my own kids, (laughs) but also for all our students that, you know, the more people that can help with our students with special needs, the better. And a lot of teachers don't even know the resources that we have available. So thank you so much for sharing that. And just one last note, where can we find you? Where can our um, special ed teachers find you? Yes. So the best place to probably find me is over on Instagram at Bright Futures Counseling. So you can send me a message, introduce yourself. I'd love to chat with you. All right. Sounds good. You guys heard it, people. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Rachel. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Didn't I tell you? That was a great episode, right? So many takeaways and behavior strategies I didn't even realize overlaps with special education. I would love if you could email me or share in the Facebook group with how you would collaborate and work with your school counselor. The Facebook group is at www.facebook.com backslash groups backslash stepping into special ed. The link will be in the show notes. 
And also don't forget to grab all those free resources that Rachel provided for you and all of her links to connect with her will be in the show notes as well. And you also have another free resource for you called the IEP meeting checklist before the meeting. This will help you get organized with all that IEP paperwork. So grab that freebie right now. A ton of goodies today. All of the links will be in the show notes. All right, my friends, I'll catch you next time on the next episode of Stepping Into Special Education. Take care and have a great week. Hey, before you leave, if you felt this show taught you something and got you one step closer to where you want to be, please leave me a quick review and follow this podcast. It is the best thing you can do to keep the show going. Also, be sure to join my free Facebook group. You'll be able to connect with me and get support from fellow educators just like you. Remember that you do make a difference and that there's always that one student that can't wait to see you every single day. Till next time, my friend. Take care.